Hi, we're Josh and Arielle Wamsley, owners of Green Valley Tree LLC, based in North Wyndham. We're proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week and to serve the communities of Wyndham and New London counties with our tree removal and plant health care services. Visit our website at greenvalleytreeworks.com for a full list of our services or give us a call on 860-234-4041. We look forward to hearing from you. You've heard of consumer reports, but where do they test their cars? We visit their auto test center right here in Eastern Connecticut to find out what they do and why they do it. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. We've all read consumer reports at some time to find out about the best computer to buy or maybe a new washing machine for our home. But since 1936, when the magazine We Know Now started, they have also been testing cars. And believe it or not, they have always tested them right here in Connecticut. I visited the Consumer Reports Auto Test Center on the border of the town of Colchester and East Haddam here in eastern Connecticut to find out more about what they do and why they do it. Jen Stockberger is the operations manager for the Auto Test Center and was my guide. So Consumer Reports, very well known of course, tests all manner of things and provides obviously unbiased reviews about those. We're here obviously talking about cars today and we're in Connecticut where you've just told me Consumer Reports has always tested cars and probably a lot of people don't know that. Right, so the auto test center has always been separate from the Consumer Reports headquarters, which is in Yonkers, New York. So originally, again, Consumer Reports was established in 1936. We began testing cars in 1936 out of a garage in Orange, Connecticut. So literally, I think in the earliest days, the testers would borrow the car from a friend or a dealership and then give it back, as opposed to now where we're purchasing 50 to 60 new cars a year, tire testing, child seat testing happening here at this 327-acre facility in Technically, it's in East Haddam, geographically, but it's a Colchester mailing address because we're so rural that the mail doesn't actually come up here. And the other thing, of course, is a little bit of history about this, as you say, 327-acre site, is it had its own colourful background before you guys got here. Absolutely. This was the site of the Connecticut Dragway. So up until the early 80s, and, and many of your listeners may have come here to either race or view a race, they had drag cars. And you could actually bring your stock vehicle and race it on the drag strip. So there's a many, many people who pop in the door and say, I used to race here, or I came to races here. So the facility was, was run by Frank Murata, who was a big dealer owner in the state of Connecticut at the time. And they sold it to a land developer in the early 80s. They were going to make it a fly-in community, use the drag strip, the straightaway, if you will, as the runway, develop houses. The real estate market kind of tanked. And Consumer Reports at the time was actively looking for a test site. They were using Lime Rock Park up in the northwestern corner of the state for some of their high-speed work, looking for a site, and this became available. And they picked it up and moved testing here in 1986. There is one question I do need to ask you. On my drive into your facility today, the road actually is quite pitty. 
pitted and, and potholed. And I wondered if that's done for a purpose, because I know that apart from your lovely smooth track here, you do actually obviously go off the, the campus, as it were, to use the road. So what's the, what's the deal with the road coming in? Well, honestly, that's just the road coming in. It is not intentional, though I wish to say it, it were. So again, yes, you're right. About 90% of our testing is done on site, but we do use public roads. That's a lovely ride comfort road right about now because it is very pitted. And if you come out of our facility to the left, it's a dirt road, which we also utilize. So yes, if you want ride comfort, come into our facility right now. Hopefully it will be repaved shortly. But yeah, it's a bit undulating is the word we've been using right now. The other thing I wanted to ask you as well, of course, is we hear so much about autonomous vehicles, you know, the future. I understand that you're building or will be building an autonomous track. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So obviously cars that can, right now we're at a level where there are many vehicles, about 50% of the vehicles available, have the ability to maintain speed control, as well as what we call continuous lane centering. That combination is somewhat of an assisted driving. We're not using the word autonomous yet because we're not there. Because And the reason we say that is the driver still has to be attentive. The driver is still in charge of what is going on. But this can help with fatigue or on a long drive. Much of that work right now, and we do ratings every couple of years on those systems, is being done on public roads. And one of the big features we love is what we call direct driver monitoring, where the the car is kind of watching you to make sure you are paying attention. So imagine you're trying to kind of test that system. So you're intentionally looking away or whatever. And we wanted to build what we're calling the autonomous loop, this kind of perimeter road around our facility to allow that testing to be done consistently. Every car sees the same route and a little more safely so that we can test systems like that without endangering, obviously, our own drivers or other drivers out on the road. So yeah, it's about a million-dollar investment. There's a lot of big dozers and dump trucks and diggers here right now, as my son might have said many years ago. So yeah, that should be completed in the fall. In an age of people doing their own reviews, etc., I suppose the question is, how relevant is Consumer Reports still? So you mentioned the word non-biased. So I do think that is still the differentiator. And you're absolutely right. You can do so much online research, free reports on everything. I will tell you, Consumer Reports still purchases at retail, like a consumer would, everything we test. As you said, we're standing in this parking lot full of cars. We've purchased every one of these anonymously or We hope anonymously, you know, and we have great stories. People say, you know, how could you possibly be in this little state of Connecticut and anonymously buy cars and have them not know it's you? And honestly, some of the interactions we have with dealerships, I would say they don't know it's us. I've had one, you know, a great story I tell is buying from a dealership that was outside of Hartford and then give our license and do the test drive. And they said to me, oh, you're from East Hampton, which is my hometown. Did you know the Consumer Reports test track is in East Tatum right next to you? I said, really? And so we know many occasions. And we've also had dealers say, if we had known it was Consumer Reports, we would have treated you a lot better, which is unfortunate. We would hope they would treat all of their customers better. So that's the differentiator. No advertising and purchasing the same products that consumers would. And I think this is important for listeners to understand about how you test your cars is just as soon as you get them, that's not the test. Apparently, they have to go, I believe, through a 2,000 mile break-in sort of test, as it were, before the proper formal testing occurs. So you put a lot of effort into this, and and that's probably another thing that 
stand you out from the rest of the crowd. Correct. So every car, be it an F-250 pickup or a base, you know, Chevrolet Spark at the time. I'm just thinking, they don't even think they make the Spark anymore. But for, for that, they all see the same test. They all get that 2,000-mile break-in. Each of us as testers is taking that vehicle home, using it in our daily lives. How do our child seats fit? How do our kids fit? How do our groceries fit? Can we go to the Home Depot and pick up something? You know, so... We have the formalized test, which are the numbers, the acceleration, the braking, the handling. But then we have the livability stuff. How are the controls? You know, we, things are so electronic and complicated now in a car. How do we manage that? And that becomes the story. So it's not just this very kind of prescribed list of 50 tests, which is about what goes into a, a car's overall score, but this livability part, which is, you know, people of different statures, people of different driving styles. You know, I just said to you, you know, I'm kind of the scaredy cat. I don't drive super aggressively. So I may look at a car and say, that's got plenty of power. Whereas someone who's a little speedier or say that that's not really for me. You've been controversial in the past. You've made comments about cars historically and said, hey, not up to scratch. And that's actually been a good thing because the car manufacturers listen. It, this isn't just about consumers, is it? This is also about advocating and and the manufacturers take note. Absolutely. So, so there's a couple elements to that, which I didn't mention in the overall score, is also reliability. So we're asking our large membership base did you have a problem with your car over the past few years? What year, make, model do you have? And did you have problems? That reliability data is also a great differentiator for consumer reports. So it's not just what this brand new car did in the two to six months we might own it. What experiences did our readers, our members have with that vehicle over the time they owned it? You know, was it breaking down a lot? And that really differentiates certainly consumer reports and our overall scores. And we have this advocacy arm, what we call our advocacy group. So we are continually, based on our testing, data-driven, what should the regulations be? What should be the standards? What should be allowed or not allowed or required? You know, you think of a, a safety feature like electronic stability control, which is absolutely key to maintaining control, say, get on an exit ramp too quickly or in slippery winter conditions. That stability control has been a game changer in terms of keeping control. Consumer Reports was beating their drum at the time saying every vehicle should have this feature. And as of 2012, every vehicle does have that feature. So it's that side of things as well. Safety obviously is paramount, and the more safety features we can have, I guess, uh, you know, it, it is good. But does it also make us slightly lazy drivers in that we're a little bit too reliant on maybe some of the other features? I mean, I mentioned to you, like, you know, most cars, I believe, in fact, all cars now have to have, like, reversing cameras, which is great. It does give you, like, um, a, a better field of view. But before those cameras were around, we had to be much more alert. We were using our mirrors, you know. So are we becoming slightly too dependent on the technology, do you think? I think the best safety features and the ones we advocate for the most, and we did for backup cameras, is the ones that back up the driver. So yes, we may become reliant, but you know the truth is that backup camera can see where you cannot. That backup camera can see a small child, for example, that may have be in your driveway or something you're going to back up over that you just can't see. You know, cars have gotten bigger. You know, we have a lot more SUVs. Cars have gotten kind of slopier, which limits your rear view. Backup cameras are intended to be a supplement. 
And again, they don't work in all occasions. When it's raining or you got snow covering your camera, you can't see. So the worst thing is that it takes away your habit of looking. And so when lazy, yes, does it have that potential? Yes. But we encourage people to still look in all those areas. Use your mirrors, make that turn around, twist your head around. But the backup camera can ultimately see where you cannot. So, Jen, we've just walked through the door of the tyre testing centre. And I wish the listeners, if we had like a smelly audio or something, because you can just smell the rubber and obviously see all of these tyres here. Talk to us a little bit about what goes on here. So in addition to our vehicle test program, we're testing a full complement between 50 and 80 tire models each year. It kind of runs in a three-year cycle in that we'll be doing ultra high performance tires or performance tires, which is what you're seeing today on something like a Toyota 86. And we'll be doing summer, all season and winter performance models. Next year, we'll go to truck tires and SUV tires, larger all-season, all-terrain models. And then the third year would be more basic all-season models and their winter counterparts. So it's about a year-long process. They're purchasing the tires. We're um, doing winter testing, uh, snow acceleration to get a sense of its all-season capability. We actually rent time in the Northford Ice Pavilion and do ice breaking down in Northford to get a sense of its ice grip. And then we're coming back here for, again, 12 to 14 tests of ride comfort, noise, hydroplaning. We have a hydroplaning facility, wet and dry braking, handling characteristics. And then we send tires out for two tests. One is a tread wear test. Unlike cars, for most people, some people get really geek out on tires. Others, they're just a I have to go buy tires again, but they can transform your car. As you know, they're the only thing touching the road. If you don't have good grip, none of those great safety systems we talk about can work. So necessary evil, maybe for some, but they are very concerned with how long they're going to last. They don't want to make that purchase very often. So we do tread wear and then a characteristic called rolling resistance, which we also send out, which is tested. And rolling resistance is the force to keep a tire rolling. The more the force the lesser your fuel economy. So a tire with higher rolling resistance is going to hurt your pocketbook in terms of at the pump. So all of those create a tire's overall score. So it's about a year long. Two guys are just in that car, not 24-7, but five times eight hours a day doing that testing um, all when the weather's good. They've just finished up this group and ratings will be out in the fall. We're in the child seat testing centre, not the child testing centre as I thought it said outside, (laughs) although probably I'm sure there's a lot of listeners would like to have a child testing centre. But So we've got um, a, a myriad of child seats here. Why is it important for you to be testing those? Child restraints are so good at protecting these the most precious cargo will travel with. They have been the key to reducing child injury and fatalities in motor vehicle crashes. Obviously, they're required by law. And we are testing all types from the infant carriers to booster seats. At minimum, is going to have three different seats, most likely, before they're ready for the seat belts themselves. So we do three elements. One is we do go to a lab and purchase a simulated crash test. So just like there's adult crash test dummies, there's baby crash test dummies and, and toddler crash test dummies. And we're measuring the injury. We're measuring whether they contact the front seat back. Does the child seat stay intact 
you know, is it cracking or breaking during those events? But more so here, and probably what separates us a little more, is we're also doing ease of use and fit to vehicle. How easy or difficult is it to get that child seat securely installed? For your parents that are listening, you know it is not easy. And some of these child seats can be really challenging to get that secure fit, which is key to the crash performance. So, you know, there's a lot of adjustments and you got to make them. So not only are we hoping to educate, but point out those seats that not just are great in crash, but are easier to use, easier to install. So Jen, just explain the car that we're in. It's the most expensive one that you've bought to date. So tell us the details. Right, so this is the Mercedes-Benz EQS. This is their brand new, all electric, very luxurious, I don't even know what you call it, hatchback, but certainly a luxury feel when you get in. And we're talking about a $130,000 car that we're sitting in. You know, it's got pillows on your head restraints and suede-like headliners, and the entire screen, or the entire dash is a screen, if you will. I was gonna so. say, this is incredible. It is, is it just one big touch screen? It is one big touch screen, so and you have your own version for Even the me, on yes. the passenger side. So, so welcome. And good grief I mean I can control things here I, it is totally uh, the future it is totally the future and we'll, we'll drive around but you're getting a view of what was the original dragway um, it's about a 1700 foot straightaway obviously we're doing acceleration and braking and things like that we do a headlight test you're still you're seeing the signs where we would park a car we come back on dark moonless nights as we did last night and say how many of these signs can we see low beam high beam led halogen all of the different headlight characteristics you'll see there's there's lines painted to simulate roadways this is all about that autonomous operation that we were talking about this is our hydroplaning pit so we talked about tire testing you would come through this every tire will hydroplane at some point you come through this at increasing speeds you're trying to stay on the curve but when you hydroplane you go straight and you just don't have literally there's a wedge of water underneath your tire and you don't have the ability um, to steer or brake at that point because you're riding on water um, again this is electric so one of the advantages just get ready when you're in electric so one of the great advantages of electric vehicles EVs is they they have this electric motor which doesn't have to build up any pressure it's instant instant torque so when you're moving it's instant power instant off the line torque so it's a wonderful sensation for a performance driver, you know, and people say, I don't care about how quickly a car accelerates, but I say all the time, if you're merging on the Wilbur Cross Parkway from a stop, you care about acceleration because they're all moving 80 and you've now got to get out into that traffic. This, so. this is unscientific what I'm about to say, but <laughs> as I'm recording, obviously I can see seconds counting down. I think we were doing about 20 before you put your foot down, and I believe we possibly hit almost about 100 in about four seconds. Right, so this car, it was quicker than that because this car goes zero to 60 um, from a stop in 3.96 seconds. Good so grief. it's very, very quick. That and and this is 
one of the things people really like about their electrics or their hybrids. Hybrids even get that advantage a little bit. So, so after the thrill of being in a $130,000 Mercedes electric vehicle, next came the ultimate test a hot lap around the Consumer Reports circuit with one of their top drivers and engineers. And just take a listen to this. Yeah, we call, it's called a hot lap or just, you know, you're, you're pretty much, you're driving the car at the limits. It's as fast as it can go. Now, people are gonna be thinking, what's the point of this? I mean, why do you push the cars to the Just limit? to see how it behaves, to see if it's safe. Does it do anything out of the ordinary that we should be telling people to look out for or any reasons not to purchase the vehicle? Okay, you're already ready? I'm feeling uncomfortable <laughs> at 76 miles an hour. And, oh my God. Okay, that is, <laughs> yeah, I felt that, oh, okie dokie. This is like a fairground ride that, yeah, like I've never experienced before. I'm even feeling the push into the chair. You can probably hear the screeching of the wheels as we go around this track. So this car is really, really well behaved at the limit. It's secure, has tons of grip, very easy to drive. Like you can push it beyond the limit. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything unsafe or out of the ordinary. It's overall just really, really easy to drive. I think there's gonna be my <laughs> finger to like print in the door handle here. Uh, this is something I've never experienced before. You can <laughs> see like I pushed it beyond right there a little bit and you can still reel it back in really quickly. That's pretty much it. Wow. So, uh, Joe, thank you for that. Uh, as I say, it was an incredible experience. We also have James in the back, who's uh, public affairs for consumer research, who's set all of this up. James, I don't know how well you'll come out on microphone. How did you find that? Uh, well, it's not my first hot lap, but still every single time, the little kid in me gets a little excited. I can totally understand. And I'm so glad I didn't have lunch uh, before. <laughs> Out. Joe, that was amazing. Uh, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And it goes without saying, you know, the purpose of this is to, you know, inform better informed consumers. Now, if we were doing a lap like this and all of a sudden this car fish fails, we end up in the grass. Well, then we gotta let consumers know that maybe this car doesn't handle as well as it should in, uh, in, in emergency situations or everyday driving. My thanks to the entire team at the Auto Test Center. And please, of course, do travel safely on our roads and adhere to the speed limits. We were on a closed course and being driven by trained professionals. And don't forget to find out all the latest unbiased advice about cars and much more at the Consumer Reports website at consumerreports.org. Green Valley Tree LLC is proud to sponsor Connecticut East this week. Contact Green Valley Tree LLC for all your tree removal and plant health care needs and more. 
Find us at greenvalleytreeworks.com or call 860-234-4041. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week, sponsored by... Healing Therapies Through Sharing is Eastern Connecticut's Holistic Wellness Center for those recently diagnosed or living with a cancer diagnosis and their caregivers. We offer a range of services including adult and pediatric oncology massage, lymphatic drainage, craniosacral therapy, yoga for cancer, and much more. For details about our full range of services and our team of licensed professional therapists and providers, visit our website at healingtherapiesct.org or call us on 860-443-0800. We look forward to hearing from you. The names of two Connecticut Port Authority employees who received impermissible gifts from a vendor seeking business from the authority back in 2017 and 2019 have been revealed in a letter to state legislators. David Kouros, the current chairman of the CPA board, named the employees in a letter to State Senators Paul Formica and State Senator Kevin Kelly after the Office of State Ethics revealed they had settled and fined the vendor, Seabury LLC, over the matter but refused to name the CPA individuals who were involved. Kevin Blacker is a longtime critic of the authority, says he's been aware of the two names for a while, having been told directly who they were. Evan Matthew, the former executive director's wife, told me in person that it was Evan Matthews and Andrew Levine that attended the Bruins game. The public has to be made aware of what board member you know, received these gifts. Senator Vermeeker agreed the identity of the board member that remains a mystery needs also to be cleared up. It didn't say whether it was asking past board members and whether, I guess we need to find out whether that, that board member voted, you know, for the Seabury contract and payouts and took part in this activity. The legislators pressed the CPA for the names involved in the matter after the Office of State Ethics reached a settlement with Seabury LLC back in July over the impermissible gifts, fining Seabury $10,000 but holding back who was involved at the authority. Seabury LLC are still the subject of an investigation by the State Attorney General's Office for a success fee of over half a million dollars they were paid by the authority for finding a new management company for the authority's state peer project in New London. Around 200 law enforcement and first responder personnel took part in a major active school shooter exercise in the town of Waterford recently. The event was held at the Quaker Hill Elementary School in the town. Rob Brule is the first selectman of Waterford and said major exercises like these are vital and a reality check for everyone. Today it is very intense. You could see that, you know, in the officers coming in the entry. Uh, The CERT team is on its way now, if not here already. But there are steps going on that it is very intense and this drill is meant to be that way. We try to make sure we inform the public leading all the way up until today. And I think it's really important that they understand that we are doing this. Mark Bellastrassi is the chief of Waterford Police and said with what happened recently in Uvalde, he's confident in the training and response that would occur here if something similar were to happen. The national training model for active shooters is police officers respond and immediately go towards the threat. Once that threat is eliminated, and only once that threat is eliminated, will you start to see officers standing and holding ground, making sure they don't give up ground. God forbid there's a second or third shooter. I am confident with Connecticut's response, because we all train as police together, how officers will immediately go in and challenge any shooter in an active shooter situation. 
Law enforcement from nearby New London and Montville attended the drill together with Waterford Police Special Response Team as well as fire and EMT crews. The drill also helped with communication issues and how to better reunify students with parents or guardians once they have been safely evacuated from a school. Access Health CT, Connecticut's official health insurance marketplace, is hosting free in-person health fairs across the state for residents to enroll in the Covered CT program. Caroline Lee Ruitt is the marketing director for Access Health CT and says the state-backed healthcare program is based on people's or families' income levels and whether they meet certain national poverty levels. A family of four could make up to $46,375. And we've got examples all the way up through household sizes of eight but you can always you know, connect with us in person, over the phone, online, and a lot of our upcoming events too to make sure that you understand that income requirement. And Lee Ruitt says the insurance coverage really is free. So they're helping to pay for the customer's portion of the premium. That's that monthly payment that you're responsible for if you're paying for a health insurance plan. And then the state also pays for all of the cost sharing. That would be your deductibles, your co-pays, co-insurance, and even the cost of prescription medications. The state pays for all of that. So it truly is a program for those that are eligible to have no cost health insurance. Lee Ruitt says based on historic data, they believe around 40,000 residents could be eligible for the free insurance, and already they have signed up over 11,000 people. Details can be found online at accesshealthct.com or by calling 1-855-805-4325. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at connecticut-east.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East This Week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms, on demand, and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East This Week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Thank you for listening.